Hello, I'm David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work. Thanks for listening, as always. On these episodes, we discuss the importance of experiences and memories over things and stuff, and we challenge the broken concept of retirement in this country. And as a wealth manager for going on 20 years, I've literally seen thousands of financial plans and situations and love to help people figure out the right balance between spending their time and money. So here we go. Hello and welcome to Retire While You Work. Today, on today's podcast, I want to do, um, I want to go over one of the questions, the most common questions that I get um, that I've gotten on my radio show over the years and just from clients in general, and that is, should I pay off my mortgage? Now, I get this question almost every week from clients. I listened to the Dave Ramsey show when I started my career and I've been a fan of, well, let's say most of Dave's advice. He tells people that to get out of debt, they should pay off their houses first and then start focusing on investing. And this is great advice, in my opinion. You can never go wrong being debt-free. Now, I do believe in a more of a hybrid approach, mainly because when you start investing young, your money grows through compounding interest. And this is a much wiser option, in my opinion, than, let's say, spending 20 years putting all your money toward the house but not having much time to put money into growth investments. So I like the approach of making extra payments toward the house while investing simultaneously. Now, the amount is different for everyone, but here are some guidelines I like to use. Before you pay extra on your house, make sure you're contributing to your 401k retirement plan at work, if you have one, up to the amount, at least up to the amount that your company may match. That's free money, right? Then make sure that you have three to six months worth of income in bucket one for emergency funds. Very important. After that, if you're able to set up a Roth IRA, you should consider doing that as well, making sure that you're putting in at least 15%, but ideally 20% of your income towards retirement. And then next, start saving in bucket two, which is what I call the middle bucket. Um, then you can start tackling your mortgage by making one extra payment a year. That alone can knock down a 30-year mortgage typically, I don't know, I think it's like five to eight years, and you can expand upon that. So you'll get your foundation right by doing these things along with some other basic planning items like having a will and getting an inexpensive term life insurance policy for your family. So let's talk about using extra income to pay down your mortgage and save for retirement. If your income is high enough and you have your spending under control, then every time you have extra money, put half towards your mortgage and the other half in investments. If you get a $10,000 bonus at work, for example, put $5,000 toward the house and um, towards, let's say, extra principal in the house and then invest the other $5,000. Now let's fast forward 10 years. At this point, you should have accrued compounded interest on your investments in bucket two, you know, from doing that $5,000 each time you got a bonus. So now you might be able to pay off your house in 12 years. And if you put all that extra money uh, towards your mortgage, you might have been able to pay the house off in five to seven years instead of 12. But because you put some of that money in investments, your overall net worth is likely a lot higher now. You were able to get the same level of appreciation on your house, but you've also saved a bunch of money in retirement and in your middle bucket at the same time. Hopefully that makes sense. Let me, do a, let me go over like a case study. Um, here's an example along with my solution that I would use in a typical client meeting. All right, so here's an, here's an example involving two hypothetical clients. Let's pretend they're a 35-year-old married couple who bought a $600,000 house in Nashville. They put 25% down or 150000 
So they owe $450,000 and they got a mortgage at 3.5% interest rate. Their combined income is $200,000 a year and they're putting 10% of their income into the husband's 401k. The wife is self-employed and doesn't have a retirement account yet and they have $20,000 in their emergency fund, but they haven't started a middle bucket yet, like a middle bucket investment account. That's not retirement. Okay. So now this couple in this example, they're dead set on paying off their house in five years. And although they enjoy traveling and nice things, they still live within their means. And they tell me that they have an extra $2,500 per month that they could put toward the mortgage. Overall, they have um, more than enough income, totaling about one-third of the price of their home. So remember, the home was $600,000 and their income is about $200,000 a year. Um, to be able to pay off their mortgage comfortably. So they put the ideal amount down. They put 25% down, which is a thumbs up. But there are still some things I'd advise them to do differently, even though this seems like a great situation, right? Number one, considering their holistic picture, spending patterns, and other benchmarks, I'd recommend that instead of putting extra or every extra penny toward the house, they build their emergency fund up to $40,000 instead of keeping it at $20,000. Number two, instead of putting 10% toward retirement accounts, I'd encourage them to put 20%. Because the wife is self-employed, she could start a SEP IRA to help them reach that 20% goal. And this would allow them to both um, put money aside for retirement, making a more balanced approach. And number three, seeing as though this couple is only 35 years old, they need some easily accessible funds, which means they should build their middle bucket so they have some liquidity. They shouldn't have all their money tied up in their house and in retirement savings. Remember, retirement money you typically can't touch to your 59 and a half. Number four, I'd suggest they split that $2,500 of extra cash flow each month between extra principal on the mortgage and the middle bucket. In other words, I'd advise them to put $1,250 of that extra money toward the mortgage each month and the other $1,250 in the middle bucket. As their income increases, they'll continue to build both of these accounts, paying down the house still at a young age and building a balance plan at the same time. But David, here we go. My mortgage rate is only 3.5%, right? And I get 10% in the stock market. Why would I pay down my mortgage at all? If I had a dollar for every time I heard that question, I could pay for that Florida beach house I've been eyeing in cash myself. I'd like to think that I'm in the top echelon of advisors in my profession. I'd like to think that. And really good at building portfolios and growing wealth. But let's just assume for shameless fun, not for ego, that I think I can average 12% a year. First, no advisor should or is even allowed to guarantee returns. Second, if I were that good, there's still a level of risk involved in the market. My point is, it's not always about returns. It's about the feeling of knocking out that debt and having or not having to rely on hypothetical returns that may or may not ever happen. Now, the ideal down payment for a house, my opinion, is 25%. I always tell clients to try to put 25% down on a home. Sure, 10% might get you a mortgage, maybe 5%. In fact, before the 2008 crash, there used to be mortgages you could get with 0% down. But my experience over the over <clears throat> excuse me, my experience over the years shows that 25% is ideal. Plus there are several benefits to putting this much down. Well, it shows that you can really afford the home. It makes you think twice about how much you're spending on a house, and it gives you some padding so that if we have another 2008 type of real estate meltdown, you already have a 25% cushion in your house. Now, there is no right or wrong here, but following certain principles like this, as with every part of financial planning, is the key to winning. Establishing certain non-negotiable principles will help you avoid falling victim to emotions, which I call the money killers. 
Now, what if someone has extra money and wants to put 50% down? If you have enough money saved in your buckets, one, two, and three, and you have a good balance between all three, then I'd say, heck yeah, put 50% down. There are some situations in which I'd recommend paying off your house completely. For example, if you only owe 100 grand on your house and you inherit a million bucks, or you're the beneficiary of a $500,000 death benefit from a life insurance policy when a relative dies, I'd advise you to pay off your mortgage. If, of course, you have plenty of money already in bucket one, your emergency fund, and buckets two and three, your investments in retirement. So in general, avoid having a paid-off mortgage as your only focus. I don't want to see you work hard for 20 years to pay off the house only to find out that you have no money saved for retirement. Balance, balance, balance. All right, that's it for this week. I hope that helps answering one of our most commonly asked questions, should I pay off the house? Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon on Retire While You Work. All right, and now for all the fun compliance language that I have to say at the end of these podcasts. So bear with me here. Any opinions are those of David Adams that are not necessarily those of Raymond James. Expressions of opinion are as of this date and are subject to change without notice. The information contained in these podcasts do not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Every investor's situation is unique, and you should consider your investment goals, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment. Prior to making any investment decision, please consult with your financial advisor about your individual situation. Any hypothetical examples are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Ah, deep breath. And Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. does not provide advice on mortgages. These matters should be discussed with the appropriate professional 401k plans or long-term retirement savings vehicles, which are all of pre-tax contributions and or earnings will be subject to ordinary income tax and, if taken prior to age 59 and a half, may be subject to a 10% federal tax penalty. Matching contributions from your employer may be subject to a vesting schedule. Please consult with your financial advisor for more information. Roth IRA owners must be 59 and a half or older and have held the IRA for five years before tax-free withdrawals are permitted. The case studies presented are for illustrative purposes only. Individual cases will vary. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. Oh my goodness, now I can breathe. And with that, have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today to Retire While You Work. I'm David Adams and hope you'll continue to listen as we discuss creative ways to manage your time and money.